Just read together. John chapter 13 and verses 31 to 38. Jesus and his disciples share the Last Supper and after that, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. Here's what it says. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for me, the Son of Man, to enter into my glory and God will receive glory because of all that happens to me. And God will bring me into my glory very soon. Dear children, how brief are these moments before I must go away and leave you? Then, though you search for me, you cannot come to me, just as I told the Jewish leaders. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. So you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Simon Peter said, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord, he asked. I'm ready to die for you. And Jesus answered, die for me? No, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. You will deny that you even know me. Here Jesus gives a new commandment to his people just before he leaves them, to love one another. And here we are, all these thousands of years later, uh, a loving Christian community. That's our core value today. Hey, let's, as we uh, are gathered together, let's pray. God, we want to thank you. Thank you for demonstrating your love for us in sending your son to die and to conquer death and rise and live in us. Oh God, we are so thankful that you love us so much. And God, we pray for our church today. Pray that we would be a loving Christian community, one that reaches out to each other and that people who come by or have contact with our church would see our love, would feel our love and would know that you're alive. Oh God, we pray for our groups, our small groups, that they would be places of love. God, for our ministries, that they would be places of love. God, as people come to these services each week, God, that people would feel and know your love as it's seen in our lives. Oh God, we pray for the farmers at this time. And we pray that they would know our love. And God, we pray that you would be uh, sustaining them and strengthening them and giving them courage for every day that they face. Oh God, we pray for other workers who are connected with um, land industries, uh, those that are in risk of losing their jobs or reduction in work, and we just pray that you'll be comforting them now and strengthening them. God, we want to continue to pray for our church as we move through these uh, values and as we move towards Christmas, and we pray that you would already be putting in our hearts a desire to share your love with other people. We pray for our Christmas musical and that together things would continue to go really well so that at this time people would come to know more about you. And God, we want to pray for our community, those that are hurting the most. We pray that as we come this morning to give to them, oh God, that you would use our offerings to, to bless so many so that they would know that you love them and that you care for them. God, we pray that people in most need would know our love because of our giving and that they'd see you in us. So God, as we come now to give of our regular tithes and offerings, as we come to give 
out of the things that you have given us and saying thank you. We pray that you would take these offerings and use them to further your work here. Uh, God, we pray that you would do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Lord, change lives, we pray. Change our hearts, we pray, as we give. In Jesus' name, amen. In our series, now we're up to core value number five though. So remember we had two in the first week, two in the second week, and today we're looking at one just for the whole day this morning. Now I just want to let you know that values are very important. The values are the things that we hold so deeply within us that they become part of our fabric and when we start to do something that goes against our our values, we, we know about it. It just doesn't feel right. We can't think of denying who we really are. And so we've been looking at them, and today's our fifth value. You remember the first one? Our first one is that we're a Christ-centred church. Uh, We're a Christ-centred church. What that means for our church is that Jesus Christ is the head of our church. He's the Lord of our lives. He's the uh, saviour. He's our saviour. Now, together, we're his body because of his death and resurrection. Jesus died and he rose again and now we have this new life in Jesus Christ. We're part of a family. We're part of a body. We're not an organisation. We're an organism. We're a a body, a family together. And Christ is our head. So remember we talked about that we we try and ensure that we operate and, and this family works together with Christ as its head. We listen to each other. We seek the mind of Christ together as we live for him. Second, we we looked at the fact that we're a biblically-based church. The Bible is our foundation. The thing that we said there is that the Bible is God's word and the primary authority for knowing God's revelation in Christ. The Bible's powerful. It's unchanging. It's without fault. It penetrates our lives as we read it and it helps us get to know God and to know Christ and to know all of his demands for our lives. It helps us come to love Jesus more. We come under the authority of God's word here at this church and we don't depart from it. I keep saying to you, if there's anything that we're doing as a church and you look through your Bible and you say, that's not what we're, that's not right. We're not doing that. Just come and talk to me straight away because if it's something that's from the Bible that we should be doing that we're not, we will uh, change and do what the Bible is telling us to do. The third thing we looked at was last week was worship. And we said that we're a church that longs to worship God in every facet of our lives. Worship is primary for God's church. He made us so that we would know him, that we would love him, and that we would spend our lives giving him glory and praise. Uh, we worship God not, uh, you know, because we're commanded to. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And we, love, we worship him not just when we feel like it. We, we sort of say even if we don't feel like it, we're going to really worship him. Hopefully we do feel like it. And every day we, we seek to worship him right through the day. We want to worship him because he first loved us. We worship him in spirit, in truth, with all our heart and with all our soul and all our mind. Fourthly, we talked about prayer as a core value of our church. And the thing we said there was we are dependent on God and devoted to prayer. We depend on God because we realise that without him, we're nothing. That 
when we do pray, we receive God's peace. We receive God's power. We receive God's presence. We receive God's plans for our future. We receive God's protection when we pray. We want this church to be known as a house of prayer, not a place where there's lots of busy activity. We value daily private prayer and we value prayer right through the day. Today we're going to consider our fifth core value, which is loving Christian community. We are a church that is committed to love and to care for one another. When we've come to know the risen Saviour, Christ-centred, and when we come to see who he is, not just in our own imagination, but how he's revealed through the scriptures, and when we come to a point when we realise what he's done for us and we respond to him as our Lord and Saviour, out of us flows just worship. We just want to live a life of worship. And we pray every day asking for strength to live the way he's called us to and we commune with him as our friend. And then what flows out of that is as we receive God's love, we become people that love others with God's love. We become vessels of God's love. It flows out of us. And out of people that genuinely love God with their heart, soul and mind flow a Christian community that is loving, of Christ's love. Um, almost every specific grouping of people, of men and women throughout the world, is marked by some kind of badge or some kind of symbol. You know, clubs, associations, companies, institutions, armies, cities. Almost all of those, uh, without exception, have a distinguishing mark. Here's some of ours that we have. Do you recognise some of those? Here's our new fandangled Wodonga thing. It's great, isn't it? The Coca-Cola company, anyone seen that one before? Yeah. Um, this is the Baptist Union's new one. There's a lot of controversy. Some people like the old one better, but this is the new one, Baptist Union Victoria. McDonald's, isn't it amazing? Our kids, even when they're just one or two years old, can identify that symbol as they drive past, as we drive past, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, very early on, the fish was a, a, a key symbol of, of, the local, of the church. You know, people used to write it because in the Greek, uh, the words of when you take uh, Jesus Christ, Son of God, in the Greek words, you can make a, uh, an acronym out of it and it comes to ichthys, I think it's called ichthys, which, is, uh, which means fish in, in Greek. And so they do this fish, which means Jesus Christ, Son of God. And that was a little way they, they would write that in the sand. It was a way of identifying a fellow believer today. The cross and God's word are, are symbols that have gone right through. It marks a group of what they believe, distinguishing marks, distinguishing features. Um, you know, Jesus gave another distinguishing mark for his followers. It's a, a distinguishing mark that should be the outstanding feature of churches, churches in every generation, every part of the world. It should be our church's striking feature as people come to meet us and to know who we are. The thing that marks those who belong to him is love, Christian love. Uh, Mandy and I had been going out with each other for just a few months and we went to a beach in Torquay and uh, we sat on the edge of the rocks overlooking the, the waves 
uh, crashing over them and the sun was starting to go down and finally, uh, two months into our friendship, I had the courage to say what I'd been wanting to say for some time. I kind of nervously leaned over and took Mandy's hand and I uh, leaned over and gently kissed her on the forehead and I said, I love you, Mandy. And her eyes just fluttered. She knew the moment. And she took it in and she said, uh, a little lower, please. <laughs> so, so I responded, I love you, Mandy. <laughs> now, part of that was true. Part of it wasn't. I did tell her I loved her on the cliffs at Torquay, but the little, a little lower bit was just a gag I threw in there. <laughs> but you know, what happened to us at that time was I, you know, said I love you, Mandy, uh, was our relationship took on a different kind of feel. Um, told her I loved her, you know, now things were getting serious. And uh, our love grew to a time where we made commitments to one another at, the wedding, at a wedding ceremony. And we committed ourselves to be together for the rest of our, our lives. I've got a ring to show it, and I'm now part of the Stark family that we have formed together. Um, when you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you become part of a family, uh, the church. And as you're committed to the church, you, you can't just be committed to the church in general. You need to be committed to a a local, tangible body of believers. And when you do that, you say, I want to be part, I want to become a member of the church. For people who put their trust in Jesus, baptism is a public sign of that. And then uh, church membership follows, and we say we're now committed to each other as a, follow, as a, as a church. I remember um, before I got married, I lived with a friend of mine, David Harry, and we lived together. And uh, we were getting on fine. It was funny, first time out of home and, you know, I kind of didn't know how to cook very well. He was a great cook and so I did the dishes and he cooked and we kind of said, is that all right with you, Dave? He said, yeah, no worries. And we kind of worked out a way in which our sort of house would operate together. Then he said, look, I've got this friend who's coming over from England. You know, he's going to stay for just a few weeks. And so his friend dropped up and we said, g'day, how are you? good, it's great, you can stay here for a few weeks, no worries, you know, we're young guys, you know, going along, it's great, you're welcome, welcome to our house. After a little while, we sort of uh, went along and we just thought, that'll be fine, he's only here for a little while, we'll still pay, split the bill between the two of us and we'll split the shopping and we'll do all that. Then what started happening is this guy from England, you know, one of his cousins, kind of distant cousins, <laughs> started, uh, you know about distant cousins from England, is that why you're laughing? Anyway, he, he starts like putting Tim Tams in the trolley, you know, uh, a packet of chips. And he starts putting things in the trolley and by the time we get to the register, he's not offering any money. And then we ended up coming back and we got our telephone bill and it's, it, it's jumped up astronomically. There's overseas calls in our phone bill. You know, and eventually, you know, we said to him, what's happening? <laughs> You're either living with us and you're part of our family or we need to make an end date and agree on what sort of role you play in this household. You know? Because otherwise 
you might just be using us up and make, taking advantage of us and going to leave us with big debts. You know? So we sat down, we had the talk. And he kind of uh, realised he couldn't go on in that way for too much longer and uh, cleared off just a few days later, <laughs> leaving us with smaller bills than we you know, would have had if we hadn't talked to him about what it was like to be in our family and, and to live in that way. You know, I think it's a, a clear uh, parallel of the, of the church. You know, there's so many people that come and they say, I'll go to this church if it plays the kind of music that I like or if it kind of suits my needs. And I don't mind actually taking spiritual you know, teaching, some of the friendships, some of the fellowships. But, you know, when my time's up, I'm gone. I kind of think, what's going on? I can't fathom it. A, a Christian community means that we love each other, we commit to each other, and even though things might not be exactly as they should be, because they never will be as they, as they are, we commit to stay together and to grow and to learn in a way where we can love each other and become more and more like Christ as we get close to one another through a commitment to love. I think it's so important that we commit ourselves to each other and say we're part of this fellowship, we're part of this community and we're here, even if, if, if you upset me a little bit by mistake or even intentionally, I'm going to stick around and work through this because I'm part of God's family. This is my church and I'm going to work through it. Um, uh, uh, you know, that's just a passion of mine that I think we're, it's, it's all about being part of this family where we can love and share together. But Jesus said um, that you and I are to live a life of love. We're called by God to live a life of love. Um, in Galatians 4, uh, in Galatians 5 and verse 14, he says, uh, Paul writes, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. We're called to love, and we're called to love everybody. You know, Jesus uh, said that we're to, we're to love our neighbour as ourselves. And remember when the, the guy came to him and said, you know, what are the What's the greatest commandment? He said, well, the first is love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second one is like it, is, but it's love your neighbour as yourself. And the guy said, hey, hang on, what, who's my neighbour? Remember his answer? The Good Samaritan. Remember he told the story about the Good Samaritan. The shocking thing about that is the Good Samaritan was the enemy of the guy who'd been beaten up by robbers and yet he cared for him and he loved him and he reached out to him. And the Bible says that if ever we, we offer a cup of cold water to somebody in our name, it's, it, we're doing it as though we're doing it to the Lord. And we as a church, are called, we as Christians, are called to share God's love, to love other people no matter who they are, no matter what they've been through. We're to love. God is love and if he lives in us, we'll be people that are loving. And my hope is that when people think about our church, even if they're far from God, even if they're still living a life of sin far from him, I hope that when they think about this church, they think about us as a loving group of people, a group that has open arms to say, you're welcome here. God loves us even though we were far from him and we were sinners and we were far from him, but he loves us. And you can come to know him too. But God, we're called to live a life of love. 
But God calls us to love others in his family, particularly. Uh, Look at this verse in Galatians 6.10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, but especially to those in the family of faith. Do you know when you commit to one another, there's a sort of covenant arrangement that, that happens where we commit to loving one another within God's family. Now, you know, if I'm driving down the road and someone, uh, someone beeps at me and yells at me and starts swearing and doing that, you know, I'm not going to sit down and say to him, do you mind if we just uh, talk about this in a civilised way? Let's have a coffee and, you know, people, we don't have a relationship apart from the fact that they're a Christian. I mean, they're another human being. But we don't have a covenant relationship. So in times like that, sometimes I've just got to say, sorry, we've got a misunderstanding, you know, see you later. Now, obviously, we try and uh, do it over and help them, but usually they just want to smash us, don't they, and walk on. So all you can do is cut your losses, uh, okay, see you later. We don't have a relationship. I know we're starting off on the wrong foot, see you later. It's different in a church where we have relationship with one another, that when things go wrong, we want to be able to love and care for each other and work through those things because we're already committed to loving each other no matter what. Now we just want to help work through some disagreements together at that time. So Jesus says to us, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. And he's talking to the disciples. And he's talking to people who have put their trust and faith in him. And he said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus is saying clearly to his followers that we're to be those that love each other just like Jesus did. Love one another as I have loved you, he said. And we're called to do that with our lives, in our community, to love each other generously. How did Jesus love? Well, as I just reflected on it, I think he loved humbly. He took the place of a servant. And I think this is staggering. Uh, Jesus, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus who was there at the very start in creation, Jesus who... uh, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus left heaven and came to earth. As he came to earth, he didn't come in a massive palace and on big, you know, big uh, royal show. He was born in a manger. And what he did was he showed his love to other people through humble servanthood. He, He said, "For the Son of Man." came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's staggering, isn't it? The Son of Man came to serve. That's how he showed his love. Uh, When we look at Jesus, uh, we see him serving humbly as he has spent time showing his love to people in in, in humility. Remember what he did in John 13 where we've just read that passage? Just before that, if you have that with you, uh, you can see that Jesus 
show them the full extent of his love. And how did he do that? Well, he washed his disciples' feet. He took the lowly role of a servant. He took off his outer garment and he went before them, the disciples, and showed them his love by washing their dirty feet. Here's Jesus, who's not going to say, you're here to serve me because I'm the Son of God. He said, I've come here to demonstrate my love for you through humbled servanthood. Philippians 2 clearly shows that we're to have the same attitude of Christ, to be humble servants in the way that we live. I wonder when it comes to the church, to your fellow Christians, to people who are in this community, are you a humble servant when it comes to loving them? Or do you sometimes put yourself above other people? Are you someone who has said, I don't mind getting up close to people so that they can see my hurts, my bruises, my dysfunction? And I don't mind being vulnerable to other people because it's not about preserving pride to me. It's about humble servanthood, loving people enough to humbly serve them and to get close. Well, not only did Jesus love humbly, but he also loved generously. He gave people his time. Uh, look what it says in 1 John 3, 18. It says, um, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, but let's show the truth by our actions. Now, all of us have got the same amount of time, haven't we? All of us use our time quite differently, though, don't we? Some of us prioritise different things to different activities and others give it to different you know, things that we do. Uh, Jesus said that we're to love one another. Relationships for Jesus were of incredible importance. He gave time to those around him. He called his disciples. He said, come, follow me. And he was with them, the Bible says. He lived with them. He showed them how to live. He talked with them. He, he took them on adventures. He showed them his, his life. He spent time with those closest to him. He also had time for people that were insignificant in terms of what society viewed as being significant. He spent time uh, with children. And while people were trying to say, come on, Jesus, these children are not worth, you know, come on, you've got too many busy things to do. He spent time with them. He blessed them. He played with them. Jesus valued relationships with people. He spent time with his disciples and in the upper room at the Last Supper when he was with them, he gave them this command to love one another as I have loved you. Jesus wants us to use our time in a way that shows that we love other people. I wonder how much time do you spend with other Christians? How much time do you spend getting up close and sharing time with them? One of the great ways to do this is in a small group. You're not only able to serve one another humbly like Jesus did, but you're able to spend time together with people, not just uh, here on Sunday trying to catch and say g'day to people, but you're spending time with them during the week, having a meal together, going out together as well as, as having a Bible study together and spending time with each other. We all have the same amount of time. 
But love is so important. Paul says that love, uh, love conquers all. Love is, is, it would not be a noisy gong or a, or a clanging cymbal if we don't have love. And relationships, spending time with people is important. Jesus not only uh, you know, loved humbly, he not only loved generously, but he loved sacrificially. He gave himself. The meaning of the word here is agapo. When, when Jesus talked about uh, a new commandment I give you is to love one another as I have loved you. It, it's a determination to love something, not, just be, not because of its worth, but because of a decision to love. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a choice. It's a determination to love. Kind of like the committing to a church or family to say, I'm committed to this body. I'm making a decision. This kind of love is a love that is not one that goes just on feelings, on up and down and whether things go, go right or wrong. It says Jesus showed them the full extent of his love by washing the disciples' feet. He made their dirtiest parts clean. And he did this as a parable for kind of what he was going to do the following day where he would die on the cross and conquer sin and death and rise again so that he would make our dirtiest parts clean. It cost Jesus everything so that we might be clean and made whole. Jesus gave himself so that we might have eternal life. John 3.16 says that. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave of himself. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. Do you know what 1 John 3.16 says? We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. And then listen to this. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Real love is sacrificial love. Being willing to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Uh, this means that as we get into community and we get close, we're willing to love sacrificially, to give of ourselves even if it's going to cost us and maybe hurt us. You know, there's a great difference between a church that is a nice church and a loving church. Now, a nice church where everyone has nice cups of coffee and uh, tea as well. And we, we sit together, the church sits together, and they stay on a superficial level because we don't want to step on anyone's toes. You know, we kind of uh, yield to one another when things go a little bit rough so that no one gets upset and no one rocks the boat. If ever there's conflict, Mr. Uh, I'll smooth things over comes in and says, it's going to be all right, let's just cover things up. But Jesus loved sacrificially. It cost him his life. Although he gave it, got it back again, rose again, so that we could know his love, so that our sin could be forgiven. Now, I think a loving Christian community is one that cares enough to speak the truth in love. When we get close to each other, we see that there's parts of us that aren't right. Uh, get close to me and uh, all, the, all the staff know that, they've, that I've got things that need to grow in. We all do. 
And when we get close to one another, love is when we have enough love and trust and, and community together that you're able to tell me lovingly some of the things that I'm not seeing myself. Wow. That's community. That's loving Christian community. Speaking the truth in love. That hurts sometimes. Because if we're not being a humble servant like Christ was, we get offended. And we can get hurt. And we can get upset. I've been there myself. But a loving Christian community is one where we love enough to speak the truth in love. We also don't want to just speak the truth in love. But we want to do everything that we can as a church to not only speak the truth, but to help people move from the woundedness, the hurt, the pain, to, to healing. Now, so many of our courses that we offer here at our church are to do with helping people who have addictions or, or hurts or, or just struggles to help people live. Our whole Life Keys courses are aimed at helping people grow and become more and more Christ-like. We have uh, different ministries like uh, Crown Financial Ministries that help people handle their finances well. We have courses like uh, Man to Man to help people be godly men. Uh, we have people who have trouble with intimacy because of the past or just want to know what real intimacy is, is supposed to look like and we have courses for that. Why? It's just not enough to say, um, come on, get over that sin. Our church wants to help each other move through to a place where Christ is able to be Lord of your life in every area and help you with your struggles. We want to be a church that is just so open and not trying to be pretending that we're all perfect, but close enough to care for each other in a way where we see each other's hurts and love and love each other still, and help people through. See, Jesus loved humbly, he loved generously, and he loved sacrificially. He gave his life for us, and we're called to give our life for each other. You know, um, love like that speaks volumes to the world. John 13.35 says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Church, I don't know how uh, many churches have proved or have shown the world how judgmental and critical and uh, terrible things can be. And my, my prayer and our prayer, I know for you, is that we would be a church that would just constantly demonstrate God's love in our lives. That we're not perfect, we, but we are firmly committed to Christ. We're trusting in his grace and his death for our righteousness before God. Oh boy, we're wanting to become more like Christ in every way. We're desiring to be holy people who, who have overcome every sin through the power of his Holy Spirit. But we live a life but is only ours because of the grace of God. And so those who suffer amongst us, we reach out in love. We want to be a church like that. We want to be a church that other people come and see our love and want to be part of it. We offer pastoral care for those who are hurting and going through difficulties. We offer counselling for people who are, looking, who are really needing care in specific areas to help them through. 
We want to provide support for families who are struggling to get by in the kind of offerings that we're about to give together and in our regular meetings with people who come to our church during the week. Our life, our, um, week, our monthly uh, gathering here of the um, community day is a way where we invite people from community and from our own community to mix together in a loving environment. We provide so many things as a church to try and help each other grow in Christ, recognising that love is so important and that without it, our lives are worthless. So as we come now to close this message and as we begin to gather around the Lord's table, let's again remind each other of God's incredible love for us and let's pray giving thanks for all that this great God has done for us and wants us to share with one another. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you for demonstrating your love so clearly and so generously. Unashamedly, God, you have sent your son and and he has been mocked and scorned and put to death because of your great love for us. Oh God, we come before you now and we say thank you. Greater love has no one than this, uh, that he laid down his life for his friend. Jesus, you're our friend. Thank you for dying for us. Help us to love like you loved, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come, I give you my all. Jesus, I come, I answer your call. I lay down my life, Lord. I'm surrendering to you. Not everyone chooses to follow Jesus. In fact, some people willingly choose to turn away from him. In the context of where we've read from today uh, has the Jesus sharing with the disciples the Last Supper. And right in the midst of it is betrayal and turning away. What it says in John 13, 21 and to 30, Now Jesus was in great anguish of spirit and he exclaimed, the truth is, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other wondering whom he could mean. One of Jesus' disciples, the one he loved, was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter motioned to him to ask who would do this terrible thing. Leaning towards Jesus, he asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus said, It's the one who might give the bread dipped in the sauce. And when he dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus told him, hurry, do it now. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give some of the money to the poor. So Judas left at once, going out into the night. The disciples thought Judas was going out to give some money to the poor. 
but in fact he was portraying Jesus. In the midst of the new commandment that Jesus gave to love one another, Judas walked away. And as we come together today, uh, the, the, the elements before us represent all that Christ has done for us. His blood shed on the cross. His body broken. His body bruised. And our response is, Jesus, I come. I give you my all. I lay down my life, Lord. I surrender. That's the incredible thing about Jesus' death is that he died not when we had got it all sorted out and when we'd lived a right life and that he saw that we were perfect living people. The truth is that Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were God's enemy. He sent his son to die. That is love. This morning, not because of anything you have done, apart from putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, won't you again surrender and say thank you. Take the bread and take the cup and, and say, I give you my all. Your love has overwhelmed me. Help me love others in the way that you've loved me. Steve's going to lead us in prayer as we pray together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father and gracious God, how do we start to say thank you? Father, we've heard from Jonathan this morning about your love. Your love for each and every one of us. And Father, we're reminded again of Jesus' love for each one of us. But meal at seven front of us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for these elements that you've given us. This meal that we can share together as a family. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this bread and this great juice that represented your expression of love for each one of us. Father, we, we just pray for each one of us this morning that we get a new understanding of your love for each and every one of us. How great it is. How awesome, Lord. And we just thank you this seems so insignificant. But Lord, we just come to you with thankful hearts for all that you've done. Help us, Lord God, during this week to uh, be an example of this love, not only to each other, but to our community as well. And again, Lord Jesus, we just say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. In your name. Amen. Oh God, we just want to thank you for giving us so much. God, we're so overwhelmed at the good things that we have. And we just don't want to keep all that for ourselves. We want others to be blessed by the great things you've given us. God, for those struggling, for those trying to make ends meet in these tough times. God, for people that live right around here and, and part of our, our community, our, our Christian community. God, would you help this giving now to be one that really blesses these people and gives them a deep sense of your overwhelming, generous love, we pray. We give now freely and joyfully.
because it just brings us deep joy to love and to give. Enjoy your time. Amen. If you